Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. Let's just begin there very quickly. Remember again that we are talking about being children of God. And uh, we're still in the first part of the first verse. Because there's just so much. And again, I'm dealing with this topically, which is the reason why it's taking so long. I can get through this verse in about three minutes if I needed to. But you won't get anything out of it. You know, and it's, 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 it's not our job to jog through the Bible. You know, a lot of people say, we just keep reading and reading it. Well, you know what? You'd get, you don't get that much out of it. It's, it's when you meditate on it. It's when you spend time in it. It's when you get a revelation. That's when you have power working in your life. Amen? Let me begin by reading 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. The Apostle John writes there, he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Now, remember again that we are looking at the benefits of being God's children. See, the Apostle John, when he said this, he had a whole lot of things on his heart and his mind when he actually made this statement. And we need to get a little bit of an insight into what he meant when he said it. You know, somebody can, can make a statement and you might just catch it and go, oh, okay. And somebody else listening to it will hear the same thing and understand the enormous significance of it and run off and go do something. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? We need to be that second group. We need to be able to look at this. And I want you to look at this and get this massive revelation and understand that, you know, again, why they, uh, so many commentators have said that this is one of the most powerful not just precious, but one of the most powerful statements made in the Bible. And we just, and that's the reason why I said we can't just speed read through this. Because if you're just, you know, wanting to rush through this epistle, you can get through it in about, you know, 15 minutes if you want, really, you know, the way some people speed read. <laughs> but that's all you get is just nothing. You really walk away with nothing. Except to say that you read the epistles of John. I've read the Bible six times this year. What have you learned? Nothing. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that I can read six times. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not our job. <laughs> Amen. All right. So <clears throat> notice again, he says, behold, what manner of love. So we understand that this is coming from love. It is God's love that brought us into his family. It is not us scratching and scraping and trying to get in. This is very significant, especially when we look at the next thing we're going to look at today. Because if we don't understand that it's God's love that brought us in, we, we are really not going to understand what Jesus is about to tell us in Matthew chapter 6. There are verses we've read over and over again, but I really want you to see this in light of what manner of love. Do you understand? For God so loved. Amen? This has come from love. And if we begin to understand that it is love that reached out and brought us in. And that's the reason why the only, you know, the only sin that sends people to hell today is rejection of that love. That's all it is. It's not, you know, it's not all the bad things you do. It's you rejecting God saying, I have paid this enormous price. All you have to do is accept it. So many, have you, have you heard people say, let me just take a moment here to deal with this. Have you heard people say, well, if God is so loving, how come he sends people to hell? Have you heard that one? Yeah, well, 
Because God is so loving, he did everything, including die on a cross, so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. It's your dumb fault if you go. Are you all with me? Amen. See, this is really the way. See, that's how the devil twists things constantly. He never shows you the part that he played in the fall of mankind. He never lets you know that it wasn't God that did this. It was he that did it. But he'll blame God for everything. And for the, you know, for the, 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 the people that are dumb enough to believe that, that's the price they pay. They have this erroneous thinking, this wrong thinking, that if God is so loving, and see, that, that's how they work it. You know, if God is so loving, and I know God is so loving that he won't let me go to hell. Surprise, surprise. He tried everything to stop you from going, but you went anyway. You insisted. <laughs> okay? Amen. Are you all getting something? See... If we catch this, then we'll begin to understand how to approach God, His kingdom, and all the things He has for us. Because I'm, I'm going to look at today, and let's go there. Matthew chapter 6. We've looked at some amazing things, some very powerful things. But today I want to look at the things that we think about every day. Matthew chap- chapter 6, and I want you to, I want you to catch this from a place that God so loves. What manner of love is this? And so Jesus says, therefore, do not worry. Can you see the connection now? God loves you so much, he's saying, don't worry. Okay? Saying, which means that, you know, we need to be careful that we don't come to a place where our worry has got to such a state where we're talking about it. You see, you can have a worry in your mind and think about it, but when it starts coming out of your mouth, it tells us something. It has reached your heart. How do we know that? Because we see in Luke 6.45, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you understand? So we know a lot of things that are coming out of our mouth is coming out of our heart. It's our heart expressing itself. And so Jesus says, don't get to the place where you're worrying so much that it's act- you're actually talking about it now. So he says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? So these are things that he's saying as children of God, when you understand that God so loved, when you understand the Apostle John's statement of what manner of love is this, the last thing on your mind is worry. Remember in Mark chapter 11, I want to go look at this for just a moment, okay? Jesus says that whoever says to this mountain, now we could either be speaking to our mountains to be removed and cast into the ocean, or we could be building our mountains, (laughs) okay? (laughs) By, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Okay, see, whatever you start to talk about, you start to build, Think about this now. Your words are constantly building something. I'm going to ask you today, what are they building? What kind of stuff is around you right now? Because your words, to a degree, have built that. Now, I understand there are outside forces and everything else. That's why I said to a degree, okay? All right. But, you know, to a degree, whatever you're saying is building things around you. And if you need something and, you know, circumstances are coming against you, you need to build stuff to take care of that, to either protect against it, amen, okay, or to bring something into your life. 
Amen. And you know, I think one of the biggest problems that we have is that we are not saying enough. We think about a lot of things. You know, I, I hope God will bless me. I hope God will help me. But what we're saying is, oh my gosh, look at the situation I'm in. And that's okay. It's okay to tell me those things. Okay, I'm your pastor. You need to tell me. I, I need to pray over those things. Okay. So don't, don't, don't sort of, don't let it be the one place you don't say it is a place you can get help from. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Here you tell me. I, I won't, I won't judge. I promise I won't judge. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> because it gives me an opportunity to pray with you, for you, and defeat this thing on your behalf. Amen. If not together. So please don't, don't take this in that way. So I want you to tell me about your things. However, the rest of the week, that's what I'm talking about. After you walk out of here, you, know, you need to have something that you need to say that will build your faith. And that will help you to overcome whatever situations are coming against you. Can I get amen on that? Amen. Okay. So, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to build something here. I'm trying to work something here. Let me say this. Whenever you say something that's proceeding from your heart, whether it is genuine worry over your daily needs, which builds mountains, or absolute confidence that God will look after those needs, which removes mountains, Jesus promises that he will have or she will have whatever he or she says. That's a promise. You can have it. What do you want? <laughs> Amen? Okay. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. So following this exhortation, not to worry, all right, Jesus goes and explains why in verse 32. He says, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Watch what he says next. For your heavenly father, as his children, your heavenly father. Do you understand the connection now? What manner of love is this that we should be called children of God? As children, we have God now as our father. He's not just God with a big stick, okay? He is God as father. You know, father looks after things. Even if you make a mistake and somebody's coming at you because you made a mistake, father is the one that gets in front of you. Or should. Okay, gets in front of you and says, you stay back here. I'll sort this out. I'll talk to you about what you just did, <laughs> okay? We need to deal with that. However, that is not going to get to you. You need to understand that God is looking after you. If you let him, he is constantly talking. If you're listening, I tell you something, you will stay out of trouble so much more than you could ever imagine. Just saying. All right, so getting back to Matthew uh, 6.32, he says again, For after all these things the Gentile seeks, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And it's precisely because your heavenly father knows that you need all these things that the apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, he says, be anxious for nothing. I love it the way the New Living Translation puts it. It says, do not worry about anything. Oh, wouldn't that be beautiful if we would live a life that we just don't have any worry over. That's where God is trying to get you. I know you're saying, yeah, pastor. You don't know the people in my life, <laughs> okay? I get it. I understand. But I'm, this is where God wants us to get to. We may not be there right now. Might be a long, bumpy road to get there. But God's will is this. If you know that, then you know that there is a solution, that there is a place for you without worry. Not without responsibility, without worry. You can have all the responsibility in the world without worrying. 
Amen. Okay. <clears throat> the, apostle, the apostle Paul says again, Philippians 4, 6, he says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Do you understand why it says with thanksgiving? See, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people are in the prayer and supplication part. They're not in the thanksgiving part. <laughs> okay? The thanksgiving part is the faith part. You see, once you finish praying, you need to thank God that it is done. Because as far as God is concerned, the moment that you ask, well, you need to realize that God isn't slow in moving. The moment that you ask, he already moved. Like that moment, he starts. By the time you get to the amen, things are already happening. <laughs> okay? It's not, you know, you get to the amen. It, it's not like one of those, you know, you have to be careful. One of those public servant type, you know, have you seen those little skits? You know, the, the, the guy gets a phone call and he says, oh yeah, I see it. And he goes, I'll get right on it. And then it's, it pans back and there's this pile of papers. And it's like, now nah, he's not going to get right back. <laughs> okay? It's not like that. When, God's, when, when you start to pray, God moves straight away. That's the reason why we can thank him because he's already started. So it's appropriate to say thank you. You know, if you, let, let me give you an example. Let's say, because of the situation, the, the time of season we're in, let's say you're sick in bed. I mean, you're sick as a dog. I don't know what that means. But anyway, okay. <laughs> okay. But let's just say, you know, you just can't move, okay? You're that, you're that bad. And somebody comes along and you say, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Could you go and get, I, I need this medication. Could you go and get it for me? And they immediately Say, absolutely, and they're out the door before you even finish your sentence. What would you be saying? Thank you. Get it? You need to be the same way with God. Understand, for God so loves. What manner of love is this? That when you open your mouth as a child of God and begin to ask, he's already doing it. So how should you respond to that? Be nice. Say thank you. Amen? Because that does something now. It solidifies what's, going, what's happening. And it doesn't allow the enemy to come in and say, I don't think that's going to work. I mean, has it ever worked? What makes you think it's going to work today? And he will start his rant. But when you're thankful, guess what you're saying? I don't accept anything. You are shut up and get out. God has already begun to work. I, need, I don't need to hear any of this. Amen? And we need to learn. In doing that, what does the confession become? Thank you, God, for whatever it is. Amen? All right. So, he says, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I want you to see, notice what happens. The result of this is peace. Because it requires peace for you to stand there and confess the word. If you're in turmoil, it's not going to work. Because your heart isn't in it. And remember James said a double-minded person won't receive anything from God. Are you all here? Amen. So don't ever be double-minded in these things. Amen? All right. So he says here, verse 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding... I love that it surpasses all understanding, which means there's no reason for this peace, so to speak. 
no natural reason. Have you ever prayed about something and you suddenly get a peace about it? It's still bad out there, you know? Nothing has really changed out there, but you just get this sense of peace. You know what? That's God saying, I'm taking care of it. Don't be moved by what you see. We are not, okay? We walk by faith, not by sight now. You need to understand once you pray, the sight needs to stop. Amen. And can I say this way? Your faith sight needs to be turned on. Amen. You need to be looking at something. That's why, you know, in 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but can I add, but while we look at the things that are not seen. Amen. So there is something that we need to keep our eyes on, but it is not the things that are seen. They are the things that are not seen. What are the things that are, things that are not seen? The things that are on their way to you. The things that have been promised to you and God is saying it's on its way as long as you don't take your eyes off of it. Don't become like Peter, okay, walking on the water. And then he turns his attention to the ocean and sees how bad it is and starts to sink. Is what happens to a lot of people today. We just take our eyes off God, eyes off the promises and we start to sink. Don't. Amen? Amen. All right. And it says that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Can I add this? Replace your anxiety and guard your heart and mind. <laughs> okay? It will replace it. it will. See, that's what the peace of God is there to do. It's to take the place of the anxiety. Do you get what I mean? It's not to coexist with the anxiety. Get it? Okay? The peace will come and drive out the anxiety. Let it. You know, I, th I think one of the problems that we face sometimes is we kind of go, I should be worrying about this more, shouldn't I? No. <laughs> okay? Don't. If there is a peace there, thank God it's there. Because you are in a good position now to believe God. While you're anxious, you can't believe. Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. Commenting on Matthew 6.32, William Hendrickson explains, Naturally, the Gentiles who do not acknowledge any heavenly father and are in complete ignorance concerning the promise of far superior spiritual realities, set their hearts on and worry about food and clothing. Can I say this? God's children, on the other hand, should not be afraid. Because so loving is their heavenly father toward his children that his very knowledge of their needs make it certain that he will also provide. Amen. Just that he, That's why Jesus says he knows. He knows. You're not giving him anything. You're not telling him anything he doesn't know. This is not news to your, your Heavenly Father. He knows. He keeps track of every single one of us. Do you know that? Let me say that again. He keeps track of every single one. He's not watching from a distance. He's right there. He's not only with you. He's in you. That's why I said that, that song that says, you know, God is watching from a distance. Only the sinners. <laughs> okay. You. He's right in there. He's in there to such a degree that he says, if you've done it to one of these, the least one of these, you've done it to me. Because some of us think, well, we're very least, you know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just down. Hey, Jesus says, even the worst, you did it to them, you did it to me. So somewhere in there you belong, okay? <laughs> All right, so don't, ex don't let the devil exclude you from this one. In other words, when we worry about food and clothing, we show ourselves to be no different to all those people that are without God. And one reason why Hebrews 10.38 says, but the just or my righteous one will live by faith. And if he or she shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Isn't that interesting? 
See, it tells us something that our, we are to conduct our lives by faith. Not by what we see. Remember, we walk by faith, not by sight. We are not to be moved and have our lives directed by what we see. That means that there are times when we need to take steps of faith. This is what makes it very difficult, okay? This is what makes you different from the rest of the world. This is when you need to go to God and ask him, what do I do now? This is what I would normally do. What do you want me to do right now? You might get an answer that might surprise you. I don't know how many times that I've gone into something and I've thought, I really am not up to this. But God has said, go anyway. So I've gone. And can I just say, it's been a supernatural endowment. Yeah, that's because you're priests. No. <laughs> it's not because I'm a preacher or anything else. Because I'm his son. Because you're his son, you've got this. You're his daughter. You've got this. You understand what I'm saying? This is about you being his child. That's why the Apostle John is, that's why he didn't say, Behold, what manner of love that some of you, you know, uh, got called into the fivefold ministry. <laughs> okay? See, you need to, I, I, I really want you to catch a hold of this. He says, What manner of love that you should be called children of God? I mean, that surpasses everything. As his child, you have access to everything that is in his kingdom. Not just him, but everything in his kingdom. That's why we looked at that verse where it says that you are, you know, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus, okay, with, with Christ. So you need to understand something that as heirs of God, you have access to all kinds of things. And the way you access it is through your words. Amen. And the way that you get to the place where you speak those words is to understand God loves you. For God so loved. What manner of love is this? That it is love that brought you in. So love isn't going to deny you anything in the kingdom. But you need to understand that a double-minded person won't get anything. That's a drag. <laughs> All right? So how do you become single-minded? Is when you begin to meditate on the word. When you begin to go to God. When you begin to pray. See, that's why you should be praying. It shouldn't be because, oh dear God, i got to pray today. Please don't go into it like that. You and God are going to have a very bad time. <laughs> okay? You complaining and him having to listen to that. Okay, <laughs> all right? You know, you know, you need to go in there. It's, it needs to be like, whoa, I wonder what he's going to say to me today. Seriously. Go in with an excitement and you'll come out even more excited. Go in bored and you'll come out even more bored. I'm just telling you, man. That's just the way it is. Whenever I go, I don't go in there with a list generally. Listen. I go in there with, God, you tell me something. You, you give me a list. I want your list. Forget my list, man. You tell me what's on your list. Because if I seek first the kingdom of God. See, I didn't get off my topic. If I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if I seek his list, then all of my list gets fixed. Amen. Get it? Okay. Which is what we're coming to. Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Which is the equivalent of Hebrews 11.6 that says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards you. If you diligently seek him, seek first. 
If you diligently seek first, he will reward you. Don't ever think going to God is going to take something away from you. That is one of the biggest lies the devil sold the church. And they, he got preachers preaching it. Come to God. Surrender to God. He'll send you to China. I don't speak the language. <laughs> okay. I don't even like it there. Okay. No. Nobody. No, I'm just kidding. All right. But you understand what I'm trying to say. And so everybody goes, oh, forget that. I have enough trouble with God adding to it. See, that's not a reward, is it? That's not, that, that goes totally against, he will seek, oh, excuse me, he will reward everybody that's seeking him. Amen? So you need to understand, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his list, what he has for your life. Oh, wow. You'll be in a place where you can hardly imagine. You'll be blessed beyond belief. Amen. Now, I'm not saying it's not without challenges. But the difference is that you were built for this. And the bigger the challenge, the greater your victory will be. I think one of the biggest problems we're having today is people are in the wrong place. And they're mad. And, and you know, they're like, oh, thank you, God, for this. You know, like, wow. And God's saying, I never called you to that. You went, you did that. That wasn't me. <laughs> okay. You know what the problem is? I think sometimes we... We, you know, we approach our dreams from the point of it's just a dream. I can't really have that. I can't really do that and make money because everybody says that. So I got to get real and do this. Hate every second of it, but I'm getting money. And then I'll try to do the thing I love on the side. And then you know what happens? You get so busy doing this, you don't actually get to do the thing you love. And so you, 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 see, you see what I'm saying? Amen. But can I say this? If, if you do the thing that God has called you to do, and, I, you know, again, don't just drop your job and go do it, okay? Do it a little bit, but don't let it go. You pray and you say, God, if this is you, then help me to grow this thing. Help me to grow in it. And I will guarantee you, you'll begin to grow. Now, I, like I said, it will be challenging. But the difference is, you will start to find that you can overcome things in that area that you find very difficult to overcome in this area over here. The one that you put yourself in. I always, <laughs> always have this picture of a turtle on land and a horse in water. Do you understand the picture? And, and everything that swims past the horse going, boy, you're really not good at this, are you? And he's more drowning than anything else. And everything that passes the turtle on land goes, boy, same comment. How about we take the turtle and stick it in the water and take the horse and stick it on the land? Let's see how you do. While they're in, their, in, their, you know, in the places they don't, they don't belong, I'm sure if there was a bubble over their head, they'd go, oh, thanks a lot for this, God. You know, you could help a little. God's going, ah, I didn't design you for that. You were designed. Now, if you need to, a horse on land, if it needs to go faster, it can go faster. In fact, it can go so fast that people go, wow, look at that. That's impressive. You know what I'm trying to say? That's what they should be saying about you. If they're not impressed by you, you're a horse in water or a turtle on land. 
Amen? Understand that if you seek first the kingdom of God, go to God, make him first priority in your life, he'll let you know where you belong. Hallelujah. Amen. The literal text says this. Are you ready? It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be granted to you as an extra gift. Isn't that beautiful? All these things will be granted to you as an extra gift. Do you know what an extra gift means? You already got a gift. Here's some extra gifts. Oh, hallelujah. Don't we want that at Christmas? Here are all the gifts. Oh, and here's a few extra ones. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. In other words, as God's children, instead of being preoccupied, no, we'll stop here today. We run out of time. Instead of being preoccupied with material things and all the worry that goes with it, our goal in life should be to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And know that as we do, our Father promises to add all those things that everyone else has to work for as an extra gift. Amen. David had experienced the reality of this firsthand and why he wrote in Psalm 37 verse 25, I have been young and now am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Amen. If we were to combine this together with what Jesus said in Matthew 6.31, we would get something like this. I have been young and now I'm old, yet in all my years I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his children having to ask, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? Amen. There we'll stop. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we just thank you, Father, for all your promises, that we don't take any of it for granted. And we thank you, Father, that regardless of the situations that we're facing right now, that there is redemption. There is deliverance. There is breakthrough. Hallelujah.